Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by my trusty sidekick, partner in crime, gambling degenerate, um, cat owner, anything else you can throw at him. His name's Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going? It's going good. This was a fun week uh, this past week, and uh, we're now approaching, we're, we're coming up on the halfway mark in, in a lot of leagues, uh, particularly Scott Fishbowl, which I believe is running 12 weeks this year before the playoffs hit, but uh this is also, of course, the first week of buys to hit the uh, league. So that obviously throws a wrench into some strategies from a daily fantasy standpoint, but more importantly, from a regular season standpoint. Yeah, buys are not as fun as they used to be. Um, and I'm being facetious, of course. They seem to have gotten worse over the years with how late that they schedule them and how many teams they schedule. And I think you refer to it as buy Mageddon at one point last year, maybe. Um, by Mageddon, by Apocalypse. Yeah, and that happens twice this year. By Mortimer, by. Yeah. Um, then again, the way injuries happen, some people feel like their team's on a bye week in and week out. Anyway, um, hey, you said Scott Fishbowl. I, I, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to jinx myself. I'm not going to say a word. Nothing. <sighs> I don't believe I have a loss yet in Scott Fishbowl there. I just screwed myself now. I believe my top uh, I, players. I, finally had, well, I have had a few down weeks, but uh, mainly due to the fact that I went running back heavy and took running backs with each of my first four picks. And a couple of them were injured, but uh, I am proud to say that this week I am going to score more points than any other team in the league by, a, well, I should say in my division by roughly 70. <laughs> I had like 230 points uh, coming into tonight. So uh, I think the next closest team had like 140. So it's okay. it's looking good for me for this week to improve my team to an even record in the league in the uh, division I'm in. So I say that I'm undefeated, but evidently Scott's doing that thing where I guess you get one game or you play a game weekly against the week, the league average or something like that. Yep, exactly. So I'm technically seven and one actually. Ah, uh, yeah, it's kind of you know whatever. Anyway, but there you go. Look at that. I jinxed myself into a loss without even having to worry about playing another game. <laughs> I just know I've beaten everybody. Well, if, if you're if you're at seven and one, you're you're sitting safe to make the uh, Scott Fishbowl playoffs. Ah, uh, tell you what, I think I've been seven and one before in a regular league and missed the playoffs. Um, just an absolute horrible luck, horrible luck. And it was a sixteen team league too. Um, anyway, I div- I, div- I digress. At this point, I think what we'll do is we'll let everybody know that one, we are going to talk about bye weeks this this week. Um, we'll kind of talk about strategies and how you look at them and. Um, we'll see what Harley thinks and what I think. And then, of course, we will um, get into DFS, our normal DFS, PVs, PVSs, right? Payups, value plays, and stayaways, PSVs. I said them backwards. My God, I'm having a bad night. Didn't even drink anything yet today. Um, but before any of that can happen. That's I, your problem. You should have. Yeah, well, you know what? While I throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News, I'll go get myself a drink. Here you go. Take it away, Harley. Thank you, Steve. Baker Mayfield is likely to miss several weeks 
with a high ankle injury suffered Sunday versus the 49ers. With both Sam Darnold and Matt Correll also out, the team will turn to former Temple University and XFL star P.J. Walker. As a clear early vote of confidence in Walker's pedigree, the team immediately fired his former collegiate head coach, Matt Rule, today. <laughs> in related news, Steve Wilkes was promoted by the Panthers to be their interim coach. You may remember Wilkes from his 2018 one-season tenure as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, during which he went a league-worst 3-13. and Now... Hopefully, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross is paying attention here. This is how you tank legally. Just promote or hire a crappy coach with absolutely no chance in hell of success and watch your team fall apart organically. <laughs> Rashad Penny suffered a leg fracture Sunday, which will require surgery and force him to miss the rest of the season. This opens the door for rookie Kenneth Walker III to step into the lead back role for the Seahawks. Or to put this more yeah. or to put this more concisely, Walker is the Seahawks new runner because the Seahawks previous runner will be needing a new Walker. <laughs> it was not a great week for starting running backs as in addition to Penny, Saquon Barkley, James Conner and Damian Harris all left their games with various injuries. Not to mention Amazon subscribers were forced to watch in and Denver play without their top running backs on Thursday due to injuries sustained last week. It has gotten so crazy that Elvin Kamara's fantasy owners are now petitioning the Saints to name Taysom Hill the starting running back for New Orleans just so he can get injured too. <laughs> and finally... To squelch all of the brain injuries suffered by various quarterbacks over the last month, the NFL has instituted a new policy that says that tackling Tom Brady is against the rules. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. I had no idea where you are going with that, but that was actually pretty good. Um, I think that's always been against the rules, though, so it went from unwritten to written now. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That was a horrible... And that's supposed to stop concussions on all the quarterbacks, but only the rule applies to Brady. Gotcha. If it works, it works. <clears throat> that was a horrible roughing call on Grady Jarrett, I think it was. Yeah, and uh, again, it's it, it was one of those plays where it's like, how else are you supposed to tackle someone? He led with his shoulder. He led to the middle of his body. So it wasn't to the head. It wasn't to the legs. It was literally to the torso. <laughs> he did not land on top of him. He actually ended up landing underneath Brady. <laughs> Pretty much everything that you're textbookly taught to to do in that situation, he did. And, of course, they called the penalty on him. And ultimately, that penalty, I mean, we don't know what would have happened had Atlanta gotten the ball back. But basically, that play made it so that it was impossible for them to get the ball back. Be honest with you, I was kind of hoping Atlanta would get the ball back so Tampa could cover because, you know, pick six just seemed like it was waiting to happen. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's clear that uh, Brady is being slowed a little bit this year. I think the age is finally starting to catch up on him. Certainly the stress of going through a divorce now isn't going to help things. But, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't look like the same Tom Brady that we've seen in previous years. And that's the case with a lot of the elder quarterbacks in the league this year. Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. That They're all looking 
like that extra that extra long in the tooth uh, coming out of the last couple of years. Maybe part of it's dealing with the uh, the threat and uh, loomings of COVID over the last couple of years, and, and some of it just maybe that they're just getting it old, like we all are. Father time is undefeated. Exactly. Yep. As I sit here grabbing my back and rubbing it because it hurts just because I, you know, sat too long. Anyway, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about bye weeks. And before we do that, I'm going to run down as quickly as I can the weeks that we have buys and the teams that are on the buys. Um, it starts this week in week six with Detroit, Houston, Las Vegas, and Tennessee. Week seven follows with Buffalo, the Rams, Minnesota, and Philadelphia. Week eight gives us Kansas City and the Chargers. Week nine, six teams, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, New York, Giants, Pittsburgh, San Francisco. Based on some of those teams, it's more like four teams are on a bye. Um, week 10, Baltimore, Cincinnati, New England, and the Jets. Week 11, Jacksonville, Miami, Seattle, Tampa Bay. Week 12, no one. Week 13, Arizona and Carolina. Week 14, Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Washington. Well, let's start right there at the at the end. That's week 14. Yes. Now, in a lot of leagues, that is either the first week of your playoffs or at, at best the second week of your playoffs. And in Scott Fishbowl, it might, it might end up being the third week. I'm not positive on that. But it's week 14, so it's going to be in your playoffs more than likely, unless your team literally plays 18 weeks which yep. or 17 weeks, which I, I just don't agree with. But that's six teams on by that week. That That's crazy. Now, you can say that Atlanta and Chicago certainly don't have a ton of players from a fantasy standpoint that are going to be overly relevant for you. But New Orleans, you're going to be without Elvin Kamara. You're going to be potentially without Michael Thomas, although Michael Thomas and his owners have spent the last three years without Michael Thomas, so they might not care. You'll be without Aaron Rodgers. You'll be without Jonathan Taylor. If you drafted him first overall, you're not going to have him in one of your playoff weeks. That's going to suck. Yeah, Michael Pittman's out for that team. Washington certainly, uh, we've seen Curtis Samuel appear on a lot of teams. Terry McLaurin starting to lose uh, value, but he's still on a lot of rosters. He's probably drafted as a wide receiver, too, in most leagues. So he's on your team. All those guys are not going to be able to play in a playoff week for you. It's a huge loss at the running back spot. I mean, you're talking Aaron Jones, Jonathan David Taylor. David Montgomery. Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, and Alvin Kamara. Oh, and don't forget Brian Robinson. Yeah, by then he should be solidified, right? Exactly. I mean, he might be solidified by next week at the rate they're going. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. So normally I'm of the mindset that I'm not doing anything major for bye weeks. Yes. I don't look at it when I'm drafting, quite honestly. Um, if I wound up with all my players on the same week, on the same bye, I'd be happy. I'll take one loss, right? Let's just be realistic. Yes. We're not going undefeated. Um, however, I wouldn't want that to be week 14. <laughs> not this year. No. So I guess what I'm saying is in the early weeks, I'm not really going to do much to alter my team based on somebody being on a bye. I, I treat it like somebody could be out injured for the week because they twisted a knee or they, they got a concussion, right? Mm-hmm. But if you truly think you've got the team to make a run in the playoffs, you might need to start looking at those week 14 guys and seeing what you can do to swap them out for guys that have buys earlier in the season. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though. I mean, I think that everyone <clears throat> everyone that we just talked about are guys that you're, you're not going to want to give up this early. Guys like Taylor and Kamara. Because, I mean, 
right now you couldn't get proper value for either of them being hurt. That's but, the uh, challenge. Yep, that's the challenge. And, I mean, look at some of the other guys like Montgomery, maybe Corderell Patterson, Michael Pittman. Those are guys that you might be able to, to shell off on someone and maybe get something back in return for. They'll be close to even in value. But, uh, yeah, again, you're, you're going to have a hard time. A, you don't want to give up Taylor or Kamara, and B, you're, you're not going to get what they're worth right now because of their in, uh, because of in Taylor's case's injury and Kamara's case because Taysom Hill wants to be the next running back one in New Orleans. Yeah. So here's how I would look at it. I would actually go to my Week 14 lineup, look at it as if everybody's healthy, you know, unless somebody's got a long-term injury that you know is going to last four, five, six weeks, right? At that point, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to look at everybody as they're healthy. And I'm going to set my lineup without my buy players to see what it looks like. And then I'm going to look at what my average score is and what the average score of my league is and see where, where am I in regards to that. And then do I have good matchups with the players that are playing? Maybe I'm not dealing with Jonathan Taylors of the world, but I have somebody else that doesn't have a great matchup. And I try to flip him for somebody that does have a great matchup. That's where I'm putting my work in for the bye week. I think that's a good strategy, at least like suddenly you're looking uh, at that point that far down the line to week 19, uh, week 19, week 14. But before we get to week 14, we also have to deal with the first six team by, and that's week nine. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the teams involved there, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, the Giants, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. Uh, coming into this season, I don't think a lot of people put a lot of stock in, in the Giants and the Pittsburgh uh, offenses to be a huge part of their teams, but... The Giants backs. obviously have played better thanks to Saquon Barkley, but again, you've got a you've got a first round pick there in Barkley. You got a first round pick in Najee Harris there. Yep. You've got uh, regular players for Dallas like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, C. D. Lamb, Denver. You've got the top two receivers there, and if if anyone still has Russell Wilson on their roster at this point, uh, I feel bad for them. But again, if you're in a super flex league, you probably drafted Russell Wilson with a high pick. Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland, you've got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Amari Cooper, and San Francisco. I mean, we don't know who their running back is going to be that week because they could have another three injuries in the next week or so. But right now it's Jeff Wilson. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously has been picked up, particularly in super flex leagues. He's probably worth uh, playing in most super flex weeks. So there's players out there that are going to miss week nine. And when you've got six teams on by, we talked about a little bit in week 14, but week nine is a lot closer than week 14. So what, what do we do about that right now? Again, to me, I don't really do much of anything because that's, <clears throat> that's what you drafted your depth for. So now you can look at it and say, well, my depth is on by for the guy that I drafted him as depth for. Then maybe you need to make some moves. Um, but again, I, I'm not doing much. If I like the shape of my team and I like what it looks like beyond week nine, which is when you're really making your final push, um, I don't know, it's just me. And, of course, this is week six right now, and this is the first week of the buys this season. Yep. This week we've got Detroit, Houston, Tennessee, and Vegas on buy. And, I mean, Vegas, you've got Derek Carr, you've got Hunter Renfro, Davante Adams, uh, Daniel Carlson, if your team, if your team has kickers. Uh, Tennessee, of course, has King Henry. Uh, Houston, uh, Damian Pierce was a popular draftee this year and obviously he's shown out this year. And Detroit, their offense obviously has been very, very good to start the year this past week. Ignored. But the rest of the season, they've been very, very good. So well, you got a few people out this week. Now, this week, obviously, you're you're not waiting to week nine. I think a big issue I have right now with 
the four teams on by this week is that a lot of teams' depth spots right now are currently filled up with injury replacements because they've got guys who are nicked up and dinged up. And, I had a hard time fielding a full team last week in some leagues. Now all of a sudden I've got to do it with four or less teams worth of players to choose from. Well, if you're a if you're a DeAndre Swift owner, you're glad <coughs> that there's a buy for him. Hopefully, you get healthy with and come back and help you after the fact. Um, no, that's where you now have to to make a decision on how your bench is formulated, right? Forget those players that you're stashing and the upside and this, that, and the other. You need production to replace guys that are going to go on a buy, or you're going to take a uh, you know, a goose egg because of it, because the guy's possibly not going to be able to play, like, say, DeAndre Hopkins. If you have him stashed right now and you've got an injury or two and you can't field a wide receiver, do you drop him? Is it worth it? Or do you keep him stashed and take the zero because you can afford to and it's one week versus what he's going to give you down the line? They're decisions that individual owners have to make based on the makeup of their team. Yeah, and this, this is a very big week for that, I'd say, because a lot of teams, the – nature of where their team is going to be at the end of the season will be determined based on week six, week seven of this season. Uh, right now, I'm in several leagues where most of the teams are in that three and two, two and three range. Don't see a lot of teams in most of the uh, highly competitive leagues where one team has jumped out to a five and zero record or a four and one record. Everything is, there's a lot of parity going on right now. And a lot of that's because of the injuries we've seen across the board this year. But, the team that comes out of the next two weeks in the five and two range or the four and three range are, are going to be in much better shape than the three and four teams and the two and five teams, obviously. So this is the point where you have to start thinking to yourself, are, are you going to hold on to that rookie prospect in a non-dynasty format that you drafted uh, because you thought they might be a factor? Say a guy like uh, we're watching the Kansas City Ra uh, Raiders game right now. Are you going to keep that? last spot on your team with Isaiah Pacheco or are you going to drop him for someone that you need to play this week so you can make sure you get the win out uh, either this week or next? Well, I'll even go you one better. This is where you need to make those decisions. Like I said, I hinted at um, DeAndre Hopkins, but also you have um, guys like Will Fuller, <coughs> OBJ that people may have stashed, hoping to see yep. where they wind up, and now you maybe you can't. Maybe you have to cut bait, or you've got Deshaun Watson hoping that you can get to him later in the season, right? Um there's no sense in stashing guys for later to help you in the playoffs if you're not going to get there. So that's, like I said, it really comes down to the individual makeup of a team, and they're the easy cuts. Even though you, you're probably attached to them, you thought, I'm going to be smart than everybody else, I'm going to draft these guys, they're going to come on some, at some point, and they're going to really put me over the top. Well, you got to get to the point where they can put you over the top. You can't let them be the an anchor that holds you down. The thing I have to worry about at this down. point, too, is thinking to yourself, okay, which handcuffs do you really need? Like, are you keeping some handcuff for one of your running backs because of all the injuries to the running backs? But that player is has zero standalone value unless something happens to the main running back. Is that player a person that you have to keep on your roster for a week? Is someone else going to pick that player up if you let them go for a week? Yep. Those are again. Those are some of the tough decisions that you're kind of faced with as we start to enter by season, in particular. Uh, the bipocalypse is coming up in week nine and week 14. So, you know, we talked a little bit about my Scott Fishbowl record, seven and one. Do you know what I have not done yet in Scott Fishbowl? Made a transaction. I have not spent one dollar yet, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, because I went and didn't 
take any quarterbacks until week until round ten. I have actually spent a lot of dollars on on quarterbacks so far. I think I still have fifty eight dollars left in my account, but uh, I, I currently have six quarterbacks on my roster, and fortunately for me, the first two I actually took in rounds ten and round twelve were Carson Wentz and Geno Smith, and both have outperformed what I was expecting from them at being my top two quarterbacks taken in that league. So, Right. So, like, in that league, I've got Elijah Mitchell, <coughs> and he's on IR, but he can return, right? So yes. it's it's like when you get to the bye weeks, is he somebody that you – because there's no IR there, right? It's either keep or That's drop. Right. So it's like I may get to the point where I have to make a decision on do I drop him or do I keep him. Um, when you're 7-1, and one, you have more options to say, I think I could try and keep him and hope that he gets back and helps me, right? Yeah, again, I mean, like you said at the start of this conversation, you're not going to have a perfect season. The Miami Dolphins are safe in that regard. Don't worry about losing one week. Make sure you win the week that matters. Yep, that is what's important. The other thing I'll say is that we maybe we need to start looking at the way we fantasy differently going forward. And by that, what I mean is I know that some leagues do this. I think Scott Fishbowl does it where – you carry in your regular season average into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something that, you know, if they're going to start having these bipocalypses or bimageddons, you know, having six teams off in during the playoffs on top of everything else, maybe that's something that the leagues need to start looking at as a way to help to offset the luck that that's going to create where maybe the best team out there does have three guys that are on by in the playoffs, which is unheard of for me a couple years ago, right? No one was ever on by during the, during the playoffs. Well, and for some reason, uh, I want to say that last year I had a lot of, uh, chiefs and I think they were on by in week 13, either last year or the week before. And, uh, that didn't help my team's chances a lot in a lot of leagues. Yeah. <clears throat> I bet not. And I lie. I do, I do think I had a transaction cause I see Noah Brown on my team and I know I didn't draft him. So I at least have one transaction. How's that? Yeah, Noah Brown started the season well without Michael Gallup, and uh, I think he's still going to be a serviceable uh, receiver for that team the rest of the season. I mean, think about last year. The team was able to incorporate Cedric Wilson into their offense, even when they had both Lamb and Gallup, and, and also Cooper, too, for the points in p- the season where they had all three of them. Wilson still played some and was still an effective uh, pass catcher, right. so much so that he got a big contract uh, to sit on the bench right now in Miami. Yep, there you go. All right, so anything else you want to add about bye weeks? Well, the best part about bye weeks is when it comes to DFS, suddenly you have fewer players to choose from, so it's much, much easier to uh, approach fielding the perfect lineup. Well, hell, that's one hell of a segue, isn't it? Yes, it is. I guess that's what we're going to go to then. We're going to go into our PSVs, pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays. Um, And if you're new to this, Harley and I do not discuss who we like, what we like, etc. Um, but we did make one comment before we started recording, and I was going to say it when we got to this segment that this week is ugly. Um, and Harley said something along the same lines, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, this is one of those weeks that if you don't want to play, you don't have to play DFS. It's bad. It's ugly." Well, I mean, I would recommend playing the uh, showdown games between Buffalo and Kansas City, but. <laughs> And, and no, obviously, I, I don't say completely ignore DFS this week. There, there's some fun options. Just know that it's not 
There's a lot of teams outside of the main slate that are very, very talented offensively. So perhaps this is the week if you want to devote your time to the primetime slate. A nice thing about the the Daily Dominator at thehuddle.com is in addition to providing information on all of the main slate uh, matchups, we also break down in detail the primetime slate, including my recommendations uh, for all of your uh, plays on both fantasy football sites, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, as well as FanBall as well. Well, that's that's true. Good advice. So you want to start us off with a, a number? Give us an over-under. Uh, just because it was so hard on some of these, uh, we've set the line really low this week. It's going to be four. That's a tough line. I'm going to take the under. I would not be surprised if the under hits. Watch us get like seven. <laughs> All right. So at quarterback, who are you paying up for? Uh, well, uh, again, we talked, I just talked a little bit ago about the fact that the Buffalo Kansas City game is certainly going to have the highest implied total points. Uh, so that'd be the game that I'd want to target. Uh, Josh Allen is the most expensive of the two quarterbacks, but I think the matchup is fair for both sides. So I went with the cheaper of the two most expensive, or cheaper of two of the three most expensive quarterbacks, and that's Patrick Mahomes at home versus Buffalo. Buffalo's secondary still has some injuries, and we should all remember the last time these two offenses locked horns. I mean, it was a shooting gallery back and forth of points. Uh, Mahomes is cheaper. The game's at home. Those two things give me a slight edge for him although I think both are going to probably approach 35 to 40 points in this game. You should feel safe playing either of them. If you're playing a super flex league uh, DFS format, either on FanBall or FanDuel, uh, go ahead and pay for both of them and just build a cheap stack around them. So the first name I wrote down was Josh. The second name I wrote down was Patty. And I said, I know how Harley is. He's going to pick Josh. And Harley knows how I am and knows I'm going to save money whenever I can, right, even if I'm paying up. Um, yes, but I still decided to, to land on on Patrick Mahomes because he is a little bit cheaper. I do think that everybody and their mother is going to be hoping to see the same sort of game we saw in the playoffs. I, I have a sinking feeling that could you imagine if it's like seventeen to ten or something? Um, that's not going to happen. Um, well, I remember a couple of seasons ago when we had the huge matchup uh, between the uh, Chiefs and the Rams, and everyone thought, okay, this is the yeah. future of the NFL here. It's going to be pass, 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 40 to 50-point scores. And, again, the following week, teams were averaging 17 points a game. And then we got the Denver Broncos. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's bad. Anyway, so we have a match there with Patrick <coughs> Mahomes. I would like to save a little bit of money, but you will not catch me giving you a side eye if you decide to go with Josh Allen. Exactly. He's staying away from this is where I had a little difficulty here. I, I looked at all the matchups, and there, there weren't a ton that I really hated up on top. There weren't a ton I liked either, though. That, that was the thing. It's like, I mean, I looked at Burrow versus New Orleans, but New Orleans maybe without Marshawn Lattimore this coming week. Uh, uh, Arizona's facing Seattle. Seattle's been atrocious against everything this year. Uh, Giants are better against the pass than the run, but Lamar Jackson will get the ground guards for them. Uh, and I Ultimately, I went just kept going down the list, down the list, and I settled on Matthew Stafford at home versus Carolina. Now, you might be thinking, this is the first game for their new coach or their interim coach. Uh, how in the heck would I possibly not choose to attack that situation? 
Well, the only thing that Carolina really has going for them right now is a decent pass defense headlined by young and improving cornerback J.C. Horn. And if you look at Mr. Wilkes, I mean, his job there was uh, the defensive pass coordinator, basically. So he he knows that defensive secondary better than anyone else. Uh, They've only allowed seven passing touchdowns through the first five weeks of the season. And they're facing a quarterback in Stafford, who we talked about earlier, is starting to look a little washed there. He's definitely not the Matthew Stafford that we saw last season. Now, some of that might be injury-related, some might be age-related. But his big issue right now is that he's targeting two people per game, and that's all. Uh, a lot of that may be because he's playing behind a really, really bad O-line right now, too. You know, that's not a bad pick. But because there were so many guys I didn't love, there weren't any I really hated, I, <coughs> I figured I'm going to stay away from the most expensive guy on the board that I won't pay up for, and that's Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, the Giants, they can give some up on the ground, and Lamar can run, but I just – the defense on the New York side of the ball is much more likable than their offense, quite honestly. I know that Saquon's Saquon, but um, you saw what they did to A-Rod this past week, although I think I had the Packers as like my most disappointing team in our huddle projections, or, or predictions, I should say, for this year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just And that's the part with Lamar. He can always add with his legs, right? Yes. But I don't know that he can add enough. Um, I think it's going to be a lower well, scoring game. I think game. You're, you're right with that. I mean, even if it isn't the lower scoring game, if even if it's a big scoring game, you're paying the same price for him that you'd pay for either Allen or Mahomes. Yes. And I'd rather have the upside of what's going to be a shootout between those two yep. than pay for Jackson in a game that could easily be like 16 to 14. Yep, exactly. So there you go. So that's why I'm staying away from Lamar Jackson. Who are you taking as your value play? Uh, this was also kind of difficult because, again, I yeah. just didn't love a lot of the values. At this point in the season, <clears throat> both sites have really updated their pricing. So guys like Geno Smith aren't a value anymore. So <laughs> as I was looking down the list, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take Jimmy Garoppolo this week at Atlanta. And normally I hate taking West Coast teams traveling east. But uh, four of the five quarterbacks to face Atlanta have either topped 300 passing yards, thrown for multiple touchdowns, or both. You could argue that Jimmy's former teammate, Tom Brady, is the only one of the five quarterbacks to face Atlanta that is more talented than Garoppolo. They've, they've faced some pretty bad quarterbacks along the way, but they're still giving up a lot of yards and multiple touchdowns pretty much every game. So, like, he was the best of the worst, so to speak. Yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> I agree with you when you say Geno is not a value anymore, but when I look at, say, Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett both at fifty two hundred and sixty five, sixty six hundred, and only five hundred dollars roughly more. Uh, it's like Gino's still value when you compare him to those top tier guys. So Gino's the guy. I like him at home. I like him against that that Cardinals defense that has given up quite a few points along the way this season. Um, they've been anything other than stellar. If it was in Arizona, it might be a little bit different in the way I look at it. But it's in Seattle. Um, Gino's outperformed, I think, everyone's expectations this year. And honestly, if his name wasn't Gino, he'd probably be paid, priced mid-sixes on DraftKings and probably low eights or very high <coughs> sevens um, at FanDuel. So he's my value play this week. Well, I will warn players, if you do choose to go with Gino at home in that game, for whatever reason, as bad as Arizona's defense has been this season, they've been very, very adept at shutting down wide receiver ones. So I would probably ignore the stack with DK Metcalf this week. If you're going to stack, you know, 
stack them with Lockett this week. Uh, and just kind of, again, don't completely ignore DK Metcalf, but just don't expect Metcalf to have a big game. They've actually been very, very good at stopping wide receiver one so far. See, I should have been a funny guy and said, oh, you mean don't stack him with Tyler Lockett before you had a chance to say that. <laughs> uh, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. All right, let's run on over to running back. Um, I absolutely hated running back. So I'm curious. I want to see who you're paying up for at running back. Well, I, I kind of like Christian McCaffrey's matchup, and I think obviously that the coaching staff will try to basically force feed him against the Rams team that – has looked just mediocre against the run this the last couple of weeks. Uh, Nick Chubb is facing New England. That kind of scares me a little bit. Jonathan Taylor, we don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. Uh, Saquon is a decent play against Baltimore. I think he's got to be the focal point of that offense again. But ultimately, I settled on Delvin Cook uh, on the road in Miami. Uh, and here's why. Uh, Miami has allowed an average of 128 combo yards per game. And 1.2 total scores per game to opposing running backs. They have particularly been crushed by pass catching running backs. Uh, in week four, they gave up 100 yards through the air to running backs. In week six, I'm sorry, in week five, they gave up 143 yards to opposing running backs through the air. Delvin Cook is certainly the pass catching part of the backfield combination between him and Alexander Madison. He's also the goal line guy, so. Uh, Cook's going to score a couple touchdowns. He's probably going to have 120-plus combined yards this week. And, again, his price is cheaper than some of those higher-priced guys with a little more questionable matchup. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, what I don't like about that about that play <coughs> is, if I can find it here to make sure, yeah, the Dolphins are coming off two consecutive losses, right? Or is it three? Good question. I think it's two. It is two because they, they, they barely beat the Bills in week three. So they're coming off two yes. straight losses. It's in Miami. The heat plays a factor. I know Dalvin's used to playing indoors and stuff like that. And it's not a horrible play, but it's just there's something about it I don't like. Um, but I can say that about every play above him and a few of them below him, quite honestly. So at the end of the day, I actually settled on Nick Chubb and only because – that same reason I just said Miami's coming off of two losses. They need to really tighten up the belt, right? They can't afford to lose three in a row. Same with Cleveland. They've lost two in a row, and they're at home, and the Patriots are not the Patriots of old. And the way that Cleveland wins a game is by feeding Chubb. So to hit three times value, he needs 130-2 and two without any catches. I actually think that he can do that, and maybe even a little more. So it's not my most favorite play in the world. I probably would avoid it. If I wasn't doing, if we weren't doing this segment, I wouldn't even be looking at it. But we have to give a pay up, so that's what I'm paying up for. I'm going to use that to segue into my stay away and jump you on this one. You mentioned him already, Christian McCaffrey. I love the matchup, but man, the quarterback change and the coaching change—too many question marks, too many risky pieces to that for me to say I feel comfortable paying up for the most expensive running back on the board. Well, it's interesting that you went that route because Nick Chubb is $100 cheaper than Christian McCaffrey on DraftKings, but he's $800 more expensive on FanDuel than True. McCaffrey. True. And he gets no passes at all, whereas McCaffrey gets all the passes. Uh, so the guy I'm staying away from is actually your pay up, and that's Nick Chubb. Now, here's why. Uh, you mentioned New England not being the same New England team of old. You're correct. They aren't, they aren't as good as they were in the past, but Green Bay – is the only team to have any real success with their running backs against New England this season. The other four teams to face them 
have all been in the average range of about uh, 70 yards uh, from combined yards from their running backs, and yep. they're not giving up a lot of running back touchdowns. Now, Nick Chubb is elite. Nick Chubb is going to score here. Nick Chubb is probably going to have 100 yards here. But for me, that feels like a floor game for him, not a ceiling game. And again, I'm, I'm not paying the highest price on FanDuel and the second highest price by $100 on, on DraftKings for him. Don't disagree with you. I told you I hated it. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a tough call. I mean, I said I don't mind Saquon. I don't mind Jones. I don't love either of those two. Uh, that's why it's, I ultimately fell down to Cook. But, yeah, no, I, I can't get behind Chubb this week uh, at, at that price. If his price was, say, 8800 rather than 9500 on FanDuel, then, yeah, I could see it. But... I mean, I, I think he's going to struggle to hit 24 points, let alone hit 28 and a half points. Yeah. And you know me, I unfortunately <clears throat> always look at the DraftKings and usually just barely glance at FanDuel. I actually missed that he was the highest priced guy on FanDuel, or else I probably would have played a split with you and said, I'll pay up for Nick on DraftKings and pay up for somebody else on FanDuel. So, but it is what it is. Yep. Who's your value play? So, who did you say you're, you're paying up for who? Delvin. Okay, Delvin. Who are you staying away from? You're staying Chubb. away from Chubb. Okay, gotcha. So we're still only got one match. My value play, I came down to two players. Um, one that's clearly a value based on his price, um, but I think he has – we have a little more to do with making sure that the person that he would be supplanting is actually going to be out or limited. And that was Eno Benjamin that I was looking at. Although his FanDuel price of 6300 is anything but a value, quite honestly. Um, at the end of the day, I looked at a guy that's a little bit higher in price, um, but I still see him as a value per se, um, and that's Brees Hall. He paid off last week as a value play. Going back to the well with Brees Hall, I don't care that he's 7,100 on FanDuel. I like him. I know it's on the road. I know it's in Green Bay. I know Green Bay's coming off a loss, but they target him. They target him a lot. I'm not worried that he seeded. I believe it was a touchdown to Michael Carter this past week. Um, Two touchdowns to Carter and one to Zach Wilson on the ground. Right. There you go. So three. Think about the week he could have had. Um, On on both of those long catches that he had, he he was literally down inside the five-yard line. He could have easily had two more touchdowns too, but literally after the long catch, they pulled him out for Carter, which really just pissed off a lot of his owners big time. No, I I was all over Brees Hall last week, and – he won me a fair amount of money this weekend, I have to admit. I do like Brees Hall a lot this week as well. But the guy that I'm taking as my value play is actually more expensive than Hall. Oh, God. You're going Ramondre Stevenson, aren't you? I am totally going with Ramondre Stevenson here. Now, here's why. With Damian Harris likely out this week, this means that all of the backfield work is going to go to Stevenson. Uh, unless they bring in like some Jonas Gray or something like that for one game, which certainly could happen knowing Belichick. But, you know, this is going to set up nicely. Get this here. In their last two games, not on the season, in their last two games, Cleveland has allowed a total of 503 combo yards and five total touchdowns to just the running backs on their opposition. Two weeks, that's a 250-yard average and two and a half running back touchdowns per game. Oh, my God. Stevenson is sitting on a monster here. Uh, you know, I, I look at it differently. It, when I look at the numbers like that, they speak to you, and that's what they say, right? 
But then yes. I look at it and go, but Cleveland's coming off two losses. It's in Cleveland. They've got to tighten up. They know they've got to do this on defense. They can't let the offense down. That's my only concern. But, no, if he's, if he's the only back and Harris is out, then, yeah, it's not a bad play. Not at all. Well, I hate to chase stats, but, I mean, you, you can chase stats when you're looking at, like, a team yeah. gives up 180 yards in one week. When they give up 500 yards in two weeks, that is that is a oppressive number. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, who are you paying up for at wide receiver? Oh, wide receiver. Let me pull that up really quickly here. Sorry about this. Uh, play a little Jeopardy theme music in the background. Maybe as I press it. This is the one I had a hard time with because I, yeah. I like Justin Jefferson, but I really think that they're going to lean on Delvin Cook in this game. So I, I didn't go with him. Uh, I, I took a chance on Stefan Diggs here, 8,400 and 8,900. And I'll be the first one to say I don't love this because Diggs has actually been held in check in all four of the games that he's played against Kansas City over the last few years uh, since he's been with Buffalo. But the, the fact of the matter is Casey's secondary is way different than it was those last couple of years. They've, they've got a very good cornerback in, in Legereus Sneed, but he usually plays out of the slot, and Diggs doesn't run – most of his uh, runs some of his uh, routes out of the slot. Doesn't run all of his routes out of the slot. Now, if they're forced to play Gabe Davis and either Isaiah McKenzie or uh, the rookie Khalil Shakir, Shakir and Gabe Davis would probably be on the outside. But if it's McKenzie, McKenzie will run out of the slot, and Davis and Diggs will spend more time on the outside. Then, so now what I'm looking at is if Diggs gets that outside line, he's going to be matched up against a much more inferior cornerback uh, from Kansas City this year. And for the season, Kansas City, and this is coming into tonight's game, of course, I should say, KC is allowing seven catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown on average to opposing wide receiver ones. And regardless of what Gabe Davis did to KC in the playoff game, Stefan Diggs is still the wide receiver one in Buffalo. Yes. So for what it's worth, I'm doing the anti-stack quarterback wide receiver. Went with Josh. Oh, no, wait a minute. What the hell am I saying? I am doing this stack. The, no, we went with Pat, right? Did I go with Pat? I yes. Did. yes. So I came and looked at my own things. I got both of them circled and one underlined so I could remember who I got. I initially was going to do the stack, Josh and Diggs, and instead I went the other route and did the anti-stack with Pat and Diggs. Um, I just think that Diggs is that kind of player that really feeds on a game like this and that revenge factor stuff. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with putting him in your lineup. Not at all. So for all the reasons you said, plus – Add a little bit of revenge in there, and I think it's, he's in for a big week. Yeah, again, I mean, just put as many players from that game into your lineup as you can. I mean, obviously you can't afford them all, but... Basically, yes. Stack, stack it as big as you can. Roll out the Voltron stack if you want. Heck, put the running backs in there. I, I know that neither team uses their running backs a ton, but I mean, maybe, just, maybe this is the week where CEH gets two touchdowns, or maybe this is the week that Pacheco steps forward and breaks a long run or uh, maybe we have a situation like last week where Devin Singletary catches a whole bunch of passes and hauls in a touchdown through the air. Yeah. All right. So we got a match. We got two down now. Um, something tells me that the four is in jeopardy of hitting. Um, who are you staying away from? I'm going to run it back by staying away from the same guy I stayed away from last week. And that's Cooper cup. Now, uh, you might say that Cooper Cup's line was pretty good last week, but you know what? Here's my thing: his price is ninety seven hundred and ninety four hundred. Yep, it, that's hard to reach three times at that numbers. 
Cup did get 25 PPR points last week. That wasn't three times. That 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 was not three times his value last week on DraftKings. There's Plus, a- that number was boosted by one 75-yard touchdown. Take that one play away from Cooper Cup's line from last week, and his final line was six catches for 50 yards. Carolina's pass defense isn't anywhere near as elite as Dallas's, but opposing number one wide receivers are averaging only 4.4 catches and only 42 yards a game against them, again, mainly because of J.C. Horn, the young cornerback. Now, they've only given up two touchdowns to opposing number one receivers. So let's say Cooper Cup goes out and has his a good game for him. Ten catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. That's going to add up to a little bit more than 25 points. That might approach 28 points. Yep. That'll reach him three times value. He needs that three, three times value. Yep. Against Carolina, I think he's going to suffer a little bit. Now, I'm talking about those number two, 4.4 receptions, 42 yards uh, passing against number one wide receivers. You might think, well, maybe Carolina hasn't faced any decent wide receiver ones. The wide receiver ones they've covered this year, uh, well, in one game you've got the Giants, uh, who at the time their best receiver was Sterling Shepard. But the other four wide receiver ones they've faced are Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Michael Thomas, and Marquise Brown. So four on the cusp of wide receiver one type guys. Okay. Um, you know, there's only one guy that's hit 30 or more points three times so far this season, and it's not Cup. It's Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, yep. Even though Cup has more points so far year-to-date because J.J. had that one bad week. Um, but, yeah, no, Cup has fewer 30-point games than Jefferson, so I agree with 100% of why you're staying away from him. But that's not the guy I'm staying away from. Probably should be, but it's not. Um, I looked at Mike Evans. I don't like the Mike Evans matchup against Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. Um, I know Pittsburgh is not the same Pittsburgh of old by far. Um, they still have some playmakers on defense. Brady has not looked himself in my mind. The offensive line's given him some problems. Yeah, granted, he had a big yardage game this past week. Um, but I wound up landing on a guy that you kind of hit on earlier where I like his quarterback, but I'm not going to um, put him in my lineups if I can avoid it. That's DK Metcalf. Yeah, this, this is not the week to start DK. Again, considering what we've seen from Seattle this year, uh, DK might catch two passes for 40 yards and have two touchdowns, which would certainly put him in play. He also might catch one pass for 13 yards and have nothing else. He's basically become Tyler Lockett. And this is what we expected from Tyler Lockett from previous years. He'd have like one huge game and then he'd have three mediocre games in a row. Well, they've kind of switched roles this year as, Tyler Lockett's catching all these short slants this year and, and basically accruing hundreds of PPR points. Well, DK Metcalf is just hoping and praying for the one or two long bombs going to him. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that works. It's kind of like that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other, right? Exactly. Although, when you think about it, DK Metcalf is eminently more talented. He's more of a physical specimen. He's got more tools. He's basically a better overall football player than Tyler Lockett. But... I, I think it shows off some of the limitations of Geno Smith in that he cannot get as much out of Metcalf as a in his prime Russell Wilson could. 
That's fair. That's fair. Um, I need to slow it down for a second. And now I can say, and with that, we're recording on Monday night, and the Chiefs are down 14 nothing to the Raiders after a Josh Jacobs rushing touchdown. Well, all I can say is Josh Jacobs, uh, we, we said at the start of the year that maybe Vegas, since they didn't sign him to that extension, we're just going to run him into the ground. Well, they've basically run him into the ground so far, and he's actually doing pretty good so far. But uh, if you've got a guy like Josh Jacobs, as you approach your trade deadline, you may look at trading him because from a dynasty standpoint, uh, what shape is he going to be in next year with all these carries logged up this year? Yeah. Okay, so I think we're going to match on our value play here, but let's let's see if you can make it official. Who are you having as a value play this week? Oh, man, I, I actually don't think we will. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. The, the value play I'm going to go with uh, is Alex Pierce uh, versus Jacksonville, 4,300 and 5,900. Pierce has actually improved in each of his three starts so far. Over the last three weeks, he's gone three catches, 61 yards, to four catches for 80 yards, and then last week, eight catches for 81 yards. And Jacksonville on the season has given up fantasy-relevant lines to wide receiver two types in three of their five games, including Nickel Collins last week. So, no, we're not going to match. Um, I don't dislike it. I like the fact that Alex is getting more targets as the season has progressed also. I have him on a couple of teams, so very happy to see that. Um Maybe my guy is not really what you would call value at 5,200, 6,400. Um, but it's Juju Smith-Schuster um, because, again, I want every chance I can to get in, into that game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. So, I, I, I will say this. When I went to publish my recommendations for this week and, and my rankings, uh, it had not been announced yet if Juju was – going to be a full go for tonight's game and he had been battling some injuries during the practice week coming in it came out uh, about i'd say about four hours ago that he was definitely starting and playing this in this game tonight so i think that's kind of why i kept him a little bit lower on my list but yes if if juju is playing and he plays through this game doesn't have any issues with his previous injuries comes out of it okay that price is screaming value for next week. Yeah. I mean, you got Jacoby Myers, 100 bucks over, 200 bucks over. He's facing Cleveland. He probably gets the Denzel Ward treatment more than likely. Um, but if not, I mean, he's not a bad play. But I just felt that cheaper, higher-scoring game most likely. Um, give me a little bit of Schuster if, if you want to – Smith-Schuster if you want to try and put some value into your lineup. And who knows? DJ Moore is cheaper than both of them. And, again, uh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens with him going forward – if they incorporate him more into the playbook, uh, again, without Baker Mayfield, without Matt Rule calling the plays. Yeah, actually, one of the reasons I also, if you add it in to the reason I wanted to stay away from Christian McCaffrey is, do they try and actually feed him this week because they should type thing and, and overcompensate? So that's another reason. But anyway, let's take a look at tight end. I think we can knock – you know what? There's a chance – yeah. This is the position I thought we'd probably have a shot at doing some uh, yeah, ground on the... Uh, I think we can wind up with a push because of tight end. I don't know that we'll hit all three to go over, though. Um, but are you paying up for Mr. Kelsey at the number one spot? You, you might as well. Yeah. You want to use the best tight end in the game and what's going to be the highest projected point total game of the season. Uh, just put him in there again. The price tag is not so atrocious that you can't add him. I mean, he's... On, on DraftKings... He's $2,000 cheaper than Cooper Cup. 
I feel better about putting Travis Kelsey in my tight end spot than Cooper Cup in my wide receiver spot next week. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Not at all. <clears throat> okay, so who are you going to stay away payout? from? My payup is Kelsey. Oh. We match. Oh, if I'm going to pay up for Travis Kelsey, I'm going to stay away from the next highest price guy, and that's Mark Andrews at the Giants. Uh, again, if I'm paying this month, I'm just going to pay for Kelsey. It's plain so that's really my only major argument here. Although I will say this, the Giants have only allowed 11 catches and only 71 yards all season to opposing tight end ones. Now, in defense against that argument, the talent they faced has been really subpar. But it's still a fact. They've only given up that little amount. <laughs> so we match. We have the push. Um, I look at Andrews a lot like you look at Cup, where he could get there, um, but it's going to be barely at three times value. Um, so I think that there's more downside than upside if you try and play him. Um, so if you're going to pay that much, you might as well just pay the little bit extra and get Kelsey in a high-scoring game. Yeah, the price differential is the key to making that decision there. Yep. So who's your value play? I had our time with the value play this week. You know, I really did too. So I, I kind of I, I did a soccer value play here. My value play this week is George Kittle. Okay. His price is fifty one hundred and fifty seven hundred. And uh, he, here's the story on, on this one here. Uh, Kittle he finally saw a little bit of usage in the passing game last week. He I think he had six catches total. Uh, in Atlanta on the season, they're allowing six point six catches per game. 71 receiving yards per game to the tight end position. Oh, and in two career meetings between Kittle and the Niners versus Atlanta, he's posted 19 career catches and 227 receiving yards in those two games against the Dirty Birds. Well, one of my season-long te- teams would love to hear and see Mr. Kittle perform like that this week. But the push is going to kill us because we're not going to match on our value play. Um, but I paid up a little higher for my value play also because I looked at it and went, well, he's a value compared to everybody else. Um, I actually think he's slightly even a safer value play than Kittle because Kittle has been inconsistent so far this year, and this guy hasn't. And you know my love affair I have with David Njoku. So $4,000 is not a high enough price for him. He's not priced right on DraftKings, in my opinion. I agree. His fi- I totally. I mean, yeah, I, I have no argument against that. There, his fifty nine hundred might be a little bit better in line with where he should be on Fanduel, but even that, I'm going to not let scare me away from it being a, a value play. Now, if you want to really, really dive deep for some value this week, uh, I would consider Daniel Bellinger at home versus Baltimore at thirty two hundred, forty seven hundred. Hayden Hurst, yeah, on the road in New Orleans again, cheap price. We may be without Marshawn Lattimore down there, and. Uh, in, in a matchup that we've been kind of exploiting so far this season, Seattle is facing Arizona. And I mean, Seattle, obviously, they still have Noah Font there. But the receiver and tight end that had the most effectiveness this season so far as I'm has been Will Disley, who scored in three of five games. And the other guy that we didn't talk about at all, and he's going to be in a very high scoring game, and he hasn't really done anything yet Dawson Knox isn't a bad coin flip. And if Dawson Knox doesn't play, you can take the guy who played this past week and started, and that's Quentin Morris for 2800 and 4500 basically league minimum on FanDuel and just above league minimum on DraftKings. There you go. All right, so the push hits. Um, didn't matter if I took the over or the under. We weren't going to be – I wasn't going to get it right. Um, good stuff, though, my man, um, as always, of course. And if you need or have any questions, you can always reach out to Harley on Twitter at NuclearHarley. 
can reach out to me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, feel free if you don't already have a membership for the huddle, get one, especially prior to these bye weeks that are coming upon us. Um, it's an annual membership that is actually calendar to calendar, so you won't get shorted by winning late in the season. And, you know, the weather's breaking. It's getting crisp. It's getting cool. You can now enjoy, you know, a beverage of your choice or, or something maybe hot with a little you know, kick added to it. But whatever you do, always make sure that you get blitz responsible. Cheers.